On the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are dancing on Kevin Spacey's grave in the House of Cards season six debut. I mean, metaphorically, because his character died in the show. We're, we're not, you know, I'm moving on. Uh, we're getting our fix of Hollywood fixer Ray Donovan in the incoming season six of Ray Donovan. Well, you are. Well, I am because I'm the only one who's seen it and indeed the only one who watches the show. So uh, In the world. Yeah, in well, the world. Well, um, because everybody, James has only just announced we're reviewing it this week. <laughs> You're just Donovanist. Welcome to the professional pilot TV podcast. Do you hate Leo Schreiber? Is that what it is? I don't. I hate you. <laughs> I mean, that's entirely understandable. So we'll be talking about that. We'll also be uh, telling Sean Penn to get his ass to Mars in the first and, and, and witnessing Julia Roberts' triumphant arrival on Amazon Prime in Homecoming, which has absolutely nothing to do with Spider-Man. I'm James Dyer and, like Chandler, was rarely far from Ross and Joey and Frohickey rarely strayed from the other two members of the Lone Gunman whose names I don't know. I am accompanied once again by my pod pals for life. First up is Boyd Hilton, Pilot's other bald white man, or, or as I like to call him, Stunt James. Uh, <laughs> a full, a f- Understudy James. Now, what I think of him as sort Short of Short James. Yeah, well, I was going to say uh, that, but James. it seemed like a Pocket low James. blow. I'm used to it, I don't mind. Well, I think of you as kind of a fullback sort of sleeve for the Altered Carbon fans among you <laughs> that I can kind of download into if this one ever suffers a kind of fatal accident. You could fit inside... How many Boyds could fit inside oh, a James? please, don't like the idea I mean, of that. Like four. Four? I, I, that's, that's a bit no. much. small. Maker James. Wow. You had a very interesting Twitter conversation about height, didn't you? I saw, was it last I week? I did, about yes. How, yeah. Yes. Some, yeah. How, yeah. How, 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 People are very heightest. What was the conversation? uh, We are well off topic at this point. Uh, This was Sally Hughes tweeted out a call to women talking about the height of men they would date. And I was fascinated by this thread because people are well heightest. I'm five foot two and I can't date men below five foot ten. Well, according to that thread, but according to that thread, you are the problem and you are selfish. Yeah, you are. Because women should not be allowed to date men Men more than a couple of inches taller than men because they're taking them away from taller women. Terry White, one of the most woke people in the history of the world ever is heightest. It's a massive heightest. Yeah, tall women shout at me because they say I'm stealing their men. I went out with a man once who was six foot four. (laughs) Was it Leo Schreiber? Six foot four. And um, I find I went out with a guy once who was five foot six and I could not make myself sexually attracted to him because he was too small. Oh my God, I'm five foot six. It uh, wasn't me. Do you want me to be sexually attracted to you? I don't think no, you probably No, it's fine. Can I stage an intervention? We are less than five minutes into the podcast <laughs> and we have, like, the, the forest has just consumed us at this stage. Yeah, uh, moving on. You've already heard her dulcet tones. Uh, it is indeed the mother of dragons, the breaker of chains, the Khaleesi of Great Grassy, the first of her name, Terry of the House White. Hello. Hello. Anyone else you'd like to talk about being sexually attracted to before <laughs> yeah. we start? So I've just re- am I allowed to? Sorry, Boyd, have I made you uncomfortable? No, it's fine. Talking about being sexually attracted to you. Yeah, it's fine. But you, you're all right because I'm not because you're yeah, not. Yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. This isn't awkward at all. So <laughs> if only I was a foot taller. <laughs> if only <laughs> was a little bit taller. <laughs> if only you were six foot six, we'd yeah. probably be having sex right now. <laughs> oh my god. On behalf of the Pilot TV podcast, I'd like to apologise to our listeners. This is going downhill fast. Should we start with what we're watching? Please, God. Terry, what are you watching that has presumably only tall people in it at the moment? <laughs> so I this week I watched the entire season 18 of Law and Order Special Victims Unit, which we, which we talked about last week. This is not something someone actually does. This is something you say for comedy effect. No, 12 episodes. It just came to um, Amazon Prime. Um, is it? Oh, so it's not. 
no longer on network TV. It's um, moved. It is season 19, but season 18, Prime, it gets it in um, uh, season batches. Okay. So they only just got all of season 18. So, and I'm an Amazon Prime person. So I, uh, I've been staying up every night watching that and then also for some reason I've watched uh, the first what was it four episodes of The Apprentice I've watched them all three times you can't you cannot <laughs> talk about The Apprentice this on this podcast this is my favourite revelation on the Pilot TV podcast so far not only I mean I love The Apprentice as well but you watch them repeatedly yeah. the same episodes yeah and but sometimes I try and force myself to remember stuff that happened in it so it feels like I'm experiencing <laughs> it again for the first time that's great wow that's beautiful yeah my apprentice story is, of course, that I trolled Donald Trump. What? Do you not remember? You remember this? So, so. Oh yes. yeah. So I interviewed Boyd for your personal. This is very tenuous, by the way. It's, no, it is not. It is. I interviewed Arnold Schwarzenegger and Arnold. Yes. For we are. Well, you always interview. For we are chums. For we are close. Yeah, for we are BFFs. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he told me. Uh, he gave me an exclusive that he was not re- returning to Celebrity Apprentice, and he said it was all because of Donald Trump because um, uh, essentially sponsors were fleeing because they didn't want to be associated with right. a show that Trump was still kind of an EP of. Uh, and I put this up as a story, and I of course added Donald Trump in the tweet, which prompted. Trump to go off on a tirade against Arnold Schwarzenegger I mean, and then a, they started a big old Twitter fight that is a great achievement I have to say oh, oh you yeah. know thank god he's not uh, hosting that show anymore imagine imagine <laughs> yeah, if yeah. he still had that power and influence yeah, that would yeah. be awful yeah that's sad isn't it what have happened um, to him has it, have either of you watched the Romanoffs since it started no no only because <laughs> <laughs> I've heard nothing but terrible things Really? Are you watching it? Oh, fuck no. I'm no. not watching <laughs> I thought you we we were about to say, oh, it's amazing and yeah. silly and exciting. And I never will. But that's that's only because I'm never going to watch the rest of Mad Men either. Someone told me, you know, because it is going out um, weekly, yes. weirdly. I yes. don't know why, but it is going out weekly, the, the Romanovs. And someone told me that episode four, I think, is really good. Oh, God. Um, no. So I'm going to check it out and I'll no, come back to you. You've tricked me before. We had this with Succession. I ploughed oh, yeah, six but you're hours so wrong about that nonsense. Have you watched no. Succession yet, Terry? It's White. next on my list. It's You've this weekend. It. Should, oh, I, yeah. should I elevate it? Elevate. Life's too short. Elevate now. Really? Yeah. No, it's yeah. not. It's, it's fantastic. Oh, who do it, I trust most? Mm. You're going to like it. Well, see, weirdly, weirdly, I think Boyd's been slightly redeemed over The Haunting of Hill House, which is now generally slightly accepted redeemed. as one of, if not the yes. best TV shows of the year. Yes. And yet, you know, Julia cast a shadow of your enthusiasm and made not, us not, doubt you. She may have cast a shadow for you, and, <laughs> but not for me. Yeah, I believed her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, I'm going to watch that. Yes, yeah, Haunting of Hill House is definitely a horror masterpiece and everyone loves it. Yeah. Okay, so we'll do that. Just, just, just saying. I've been watching Daredevil, just like nothing but Still. Daredevil. No, yeah, and when you're watching this last week? Well, no, because I've been watching it bit by bit, but I've been properly sucked in. So I've watched now 11 of the 13 episodes. Oh, my and God. No, it's 11 hours. So not only now would I say that this is this is top-tier Marvel Netflix, like it's right up there with the very best of it, but this is the only one, and I include Daredevil Season 1 and Jessica Jones Season 1, where 11 episodes in, I'm not bored. I don't feel it's flagging. I don't feel it's run out of steam. Mm. There's still stuff going on. Uh, it's really, really good. The only problem with it is it's incredibly depressing because uh, kind of they set Fisk up, obviously intentionally, as a kind of Trump-esque figure. Like he talks about fake mm. news and there's a few things and he manipulates the media and he corrupts officials and he he changes the narrative. And it just is this, it hammers home this kind of belief you know, certainly that kind of is prevalent in America at the moment, that once you get to a certain level of money and power, there are no longer consequences for anything you do. Mm-hmm. You can get away with absolutely anything. And so, you know, watching this, it just feels a little bit like, oh, God, Wilson Fisk is in charge of us all. Yeah. 
I've got no, I've got no punchline for no. that. Well, me, it's not a joke. For you to That's literally the truth. Welcome <laughs> to Nihilist Weekly. <laughs> you talk about Daredevil every week. You talk about thingy. Uh, Lower order special. Lower order. Yeah. Has any is anyone watching American Horror Story? No, I'm, I'm behind. I, I need to up. catch up. Oh, I, I it's, gave it's up. getting good. Is it's it? Good. It was good. It was good how when many, it began. How many in? Are we I think talking we're six. I think six yeah. has come. Maybe six. But so we're getting. We've got to the point now where it actually is what we were promised, which was this mixture of the two of Coven and yes. Murder House is actually happening, and Jessica Lang's back in it, and Gaboury Sidibe's back in it. So it's it's properly exciting now. And there's this whole thing going on. I think it's. I think the whole thing is a gigantic metaphor for the Republicans versus the Democrats and the sickness of the American political system. But I'm not 100% sure. (laughs) But in my mind, it is. Right. Okay. And I'm enjoying it. So but now that it's become quite, you know, tied up into the previous narratives, am I going to regret not having seen the early ones? Um, Oh, no, it doesn't matter because it's all, it's still all about this, the sickness of the modern world and the apocalypse, post-apocalypse world. But, and there are flashbacks as well to kind of help explain it. That would be helpful. I mean, it's more enjoyable if you've seen them, but it still makes sense. I mean, to the extent to which any of it makes sense, Mm. it's all a load of old bizarre... Bewildering in rubber suits, and, yeah. um, but it's it's amazingly enjoyable, and Joan Collins is still being hilarious in it as well. Oh, so, yeah, I didn't it. think she was in it anymore. Okay, well, good, good, good to know. In, in, in good some to know. She is. Okay, <laughs> interesting. Okay, so uh, is, and that's how we spent our week. Anything else um, apart I, from your assignments much. for this episode? Uh, there's another show that um, we didn't have because you also put in your own. Um, what's his name? Ray Donovan. I, I can't believe I'm getting <laughs> I'm getting shit for calling so, an audible and putting Ray in there. There's a show coming up also on. Um, this is a busy week for streaming services, but also on Amazon Prime on Friday called Beat, which is a German show, and it's all about it's a German clubbing electronic dance music thriller. And it's about this dude who's running like the German, the Berlin club scene. And at the same time, he's tapped by the police to be like an undercover spy trying to root out organised crime. It sounds ludicrous and ridiculous. Yes. It's all about like old German Berlin polyamorous club going dance music kind of world. But actually... Or as Boyd calls it, the weekend. Yeah, it's 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 brilliantly done it's very very cinematic it's very it kind of you know how embarrassing often um, club scenes are mm-hmm. in films and TV even the best films you have real trouble doing scenes set in clubs not that I'm a big club obviously I, I hate <laughs> it but to me this whole depiction of the Berlin club scene and the kind of edgy cl- druggy vibe and all of that is very well done I will say two things one the greatest ever club scene in the history of television is the one from Spaced Yes. Uh, which is yes. nothing short of genius. Yes, I agree. Uh, and second of all, you mentioned Berlin, and I've always rem- remembered another thing I was have been watching, which is, did you ever watch SSGB? Yes. With uh, Sam Raimi. Yeah, um, of course. That's really, really, really good, yeah, and doesn't properly end, and I was absolutely mortified. Oh, yeah, it famously doesn't end. Yeah, yeah so yeah, I got yeah, to yeah. it, I finally watched it, really yeah. got into it, and it doesn't have an ending. Oh. Really upset. Recent amazing club scene, killing mm. the Killing Eve oh, scene, yeah. where he follows Villanelle. Yeah. Yeah. I just You're thought right. the production around that, the set dressing, everything. I just thought it was done, yeah. and also just believable, like you said. So it's always like live music scenes, actually believing you are genuinely in yeah. a club, and those people are yeah. genuinely having. Funnily a nice enough, time. the whole look and feel of that scene is very similar to the whole of this entire series. Beat. Yes, mm. Amazon Prime. The red square scene in the film John Wick is a phenomenal club yes. scene, as oh, is yeah, the beginning cool. of the first Blade movie, mm. which is amazing with the vampire club where they have like sprinklers full of blood on the oh. ceiling. But that's a film and I shouldn't be talking about film things no. on a TV podcast. Boo. So let's move on to news. What is happening in the world of news? Terry. 
So I wanted to talk about Apple, um, who are building a streaming service, which obviously they intend to rival Amazon and Netflix. And I don't think this may be the first one, right, Boyd? I'm looking at it's you. the first one they announced, It's the yeah. new one that they've announced, yeah. which is it's Steve Carell, uh, who's alongside Reese Witherspoon, and Jennifer Aniston, which is about basically US morning TV anchors. He plays a um, an anchor, morning anchor struggling to maintain relevance in a changing media landscape. Imagine that, struggling to retain <laughs> oh, relevance in a changing media landscape. And apparently the original idea um, it was based on this CNN senior media correspondent. Uh, he wrote a book called Top of the Morning, which recounted the rivalry between morning shows. I mean, any, I lived in New York for a few years, and let me tell you, the US morning shows are insane. And the rivalry, the numbers, the money involved, the backstabbing, like the amazing stories about the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, I think means it would be kind of ripe for adaptation and for drama. Um, I'm really excited about it. And I actually, I think Jennifer, I bang this drum a lot, right? Which is, I think Jennifer Aniston is an amazing actor. I think she's oh, an amazing yeah. comic actor specifically. Mm. And I think she does not get enough props. So I'm really excited. Actually, out of all of them, I'm really excited that she's coming back to telly. I think it's next year, um, yeah, early okay. 2019. And there's already been a bit of drama. Jay Carson was the original creator um, and left the show when it earlier this year. has been replaced by Kerry Ehret. How are we saying her surname? Erin? Erin. Of Bates Motel and um, Friday Night Lights. So the kind of credibility attached to the show is really great. The talent's brilliant. Um, so I can't wait to see whether it translates in the UK. I think we don't kind of have that same culture around morning shows as much as, you know, it's just mainly pure hatred kind of directed at Piers Morgan on, on mm, Good Morning Britain. Which seems fair. But that sense of drama and rivalry and the stakes and all that kind of, you know, the true backstabbing behind the glossy big hair and the bright mm. lights and all of Who's that. Who's got time to watch TV in the mornings? Honestly. Oh, I know. I, I, I'm the same. But you're right. But whenever I'm in America, I do. Mm. I love watching morning TV in America because yeah. it's so insane. And I think this feel, it's got a kind of Studio 60 on Sunset Strip yes. 5 to me, which oh. wasn't a huge success. No, it which wasn't. Which is a shame because it was excellent. It was excellent. And I I, I can't mind what. I mean, Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. I totally agree about Jennifer Aniston. She's phenomenal. One of the, one, I wrote an article in the last ever issue of The Word magazine all about the genius of Jennifer Aniston. And they got a letter sent to them saying, why are you talking about that ludicrous But even Fra- I mean, I was, I mean, uh, obviously she doesn't have the best, when you look at her filmography, right? Oh. So, I mean, but I tell you what, I will go to bat for fucking Picture Perfect every single day of the week with oh, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. She is like, she is incredibly funny. And Fra- when you watch Friends now, and I've, I, the other obsession I've got at the moaning, moaning at the moment <laughs> is moaning, is spending many hours in the middle of the night just re- re-watching Friends. I'm doing that too. It helps with my yeah. like... I'm re-watching helps, the whole thing. Yeah, I I am. And she is phenomenal. I mean, they Physical all... Physical actress, extraordinary. Right? Have, have really that kind of staccato brilliant. motion yes. thing yeah. she does when she's yes. a bit flummoxed. Have you ever seen her Inside the Actor's Studio episode? Yeah, it's oh amazing. Oh, my God, it's my favourite Amazing. Thing. Incredible. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. But, I mean, look at I mean, her film output. I mean, like, The Breakup, Along Came Polly. She's very good Yeah, and, up, and I mean, you know, along, I actually watched, bizarrely, Along Came Polly last weekend. It was on ITV2 uh, on, like, a Saturday afternoon, as it, as it was. And that was a completely different character for her, pl- yeah. not playing the princess, playing the kind of hippie girl when mm. she takes him to the restaurant and, like, he has to eat, eat Ethiopian f- foods with his finger and then he, like, shits himself back at her apartment <laughs> and blocks the toilet. And But, yeah, you're right. Her physical comedy and yeah. her delivery... 
um, oh, is just, yeah. just I always think that was the that was the, the, the least trumpeted thing about Friends yes it was mm. very smart yes it was well written but they were all outstanding physical oh, yeah. I mean uh, David Schwimmer oh, his phys- I mean everyone always thinks I think of Chandler and uh, yeah. but I have to say he because some bits of it are almost overplayed because he was so physical <laughs> but some of the kind of Rosk like iconic mm. moments are all physical comedy the slapstick he does like yes. the routine I think yes. is the pinnacle yes. of that <laughs> <laughs> the interesting thing about this Apple thing is that we still don't know how we're going to be able to see their shows. Yeah. It's, well, it's complete. It's a mystery. I do think at some point we need to stage some kind of intervention because these 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 streaming services seem to be like cropping up like, you know, moles yeah. in a yeah. farmer's it's field. It's going to get very confusing. And luckily at the moment in the UK, we're a little bit sheltered from it where your Hulus and whatnot, they all pop up in the US, but it all mm. gets sort of distilled down into a few yes. key things over here. But at some point, presumably... We're going to have to. It's going to get quite tribal, isn't it? Because there yeah. will be a point yeah. where you cannot possibly subscribe to everything. No. So it's fascinating. You know, yeah. If only there was some kind of weekly podcast that could help oh, you navigate absolutely. these troubled waters yeah. and tell you what to. Yeah. Uh, It'll to never work. No. Also, also in the news, a bit of Star Trek news. Love a bit of Star Trek. Oh. <laughs> Do you know what? I was like, I was going through all the news this morning to decide what to talk about. And I was like, oh, there's a bit of Star Trek animation news. I know he'll want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So Star Trek Lower Decks is a half-hour cartoon <laughs> Lower series. Decks, Lower so Decks. Lower Decks, yes. See, now you mock, but there was a Star Trek Next Generation episode called Lower Decks, wow. which was exactly about that. Star about, Trek Downstairs. Yeah, literally. It was about the kind of the work experience people on the Enterprise. <laughs> Uh, and great. how they sort okay. of like did their day-to-day shit while, while right. Captain Picard was facing off against Cardassians and whatnot. Right. Um, so this is from Mike McMahon, uh, who apparently worked on Rick and Morty, though I don't know him myself. Uh, and he's been given a two-season order at CBS All Access, which is, of course, CBS's infernal streaming service, uh, which Star Trek Discovery airs on in the US. Um, so this kind of focuses on the support crew on one of Starfleet's least important ships, apparently. Uh, and apparently he won them over with a pitch, and the pitch was this... I want to do a show about the people who put the yellow cartridge in the food replicator so a banana can come out the other end. Which in many ways <laughs> is not, to my mind, okay. the most exciting proposition, yeah. but sure. So it's a, it's a kind of a human level look at, um, you know, the red shirts, the cannon fodder, the ensigns, okay. the people who keep the replicators running, uh, and it's animated. I have to say, even when I watched Star Trek growing up as a kid, I kind of would. I remember thinking, like, who runs this bloody ship? Who, you know, how's it all? Because there was well, hun- like hundreds of people on board, weren't there? Well, boy, Voyager, for example, is run by bioneural gel packs, uh, which, as, <laughs> I'm, as glad I'm sure I, you know, are I'm far more conductive than traditional sort of, uh, you know, conduits. gel packs. Gel packs, yes, yeah. that's right. Great. Um, um, well, I, do you know what? Though I would rather die than watch this. <laughs> That, that that could be seen as a slightly extreme reaction, but sure. So does this mean you haven't I'm watched... F- I'm looking forward to the 12-page feature in the next issue of Pilot TV magazine. Oh, I'm, yeah. I've already put in the request yeah, for, the yeah, set, yeah, yeah. for the visit to the little animated <laughs> Enterprise, which I would like to walk around in, in animated form. Yeah. Uh, I think it would be great. But, I mean, on the one hand, yay, another Star Trek series. On the other hand, <laughs> there has been an animated Star, Star Trek series, and it was terrible. And also... It, I mean, there's that sense that CBS All Access, what have they got? Like, what is it that they're... Like, what's their USP? Like, the Disney service will have the Marvel stuff, mm. you know. They'll have Star Wars stuff on there. Star Trek That's is it. what CBS has. Yeah. So they've got Discovery Star and Discovery Trek is All Access. great. Yeah, so yeah. this is them trying to milk that particular, yeah. you know, yeah. property. Yeah. Can I just say, I think slightly more excitingly, 
is that Russell T Davis's new series has started filming yeah. and they've announced the absolutely excitingly thrillingly incredible cast Emma Thompson is going Amazing. to be in Jessica Hines Rory Kinnear Ruth Madeley Anne Reid Russell Tovey are all going to be in it it's an, int- it's an int- <laughs> <laughs> I've just got so much respect that Boyd says Russell Tovey with the same level of awe and, imp- and how impressive than Emma Thompson I loved him till last because yeah. he's the headline yeah. he's the headline Thompson Building and Tovey. Up to Tovey Thompson and Tovey together at last <laughs> But you know, the really exciting thing is that this, this is a big. It's, this series is going to span fifteen years mm. in the life of a family living in a kind of um, post-Brexit nightmarish vision of Great Britain. It's really interesting. And um, Emma Thompson's character. I'm going to read exactly what it says in the press release because it's very well written. Press release. She plays Vivian Rook, an outspoken celebrity turned political figure whose controversial opinions divide the nation. She's a new breed of politician, entertainer, rebel, trickster, and a rise to power leads to a scary future that sounds just russell t davis paragraph sounds awful but the rest of it sounds really (laughs) exciting um can i ask it practically how it works if it's 15 years and it's a family Mm. how how do they deal with that with like the kids i don't know no idea fascinating to find out Mm. ask russell call him now i'll ask him yeah (laughs) um yeah it's co-production bbc hbo it's going to be amazing and the ep i was i was reading was um is nicola schindler right who did um happy valley trust me safe so some proper kind of Drama Absolutely. credentials and goes back on. to Queer as Folk with uh, mm. with Russell. Mm. That was the first thing they did together, of course. Yeah, wow, it's exciting. It's very did you exciting. ever watch Jericho? Do you remember Jericho, that? which one had was Skeet that? Ulrich me. in it? It ran for uh, two <laughs> right. seasons. Again, it was a post-apocalyptic. Had nothing to do with Brexit. Post-apocalyptic American drama. I vaguely rings a bell, but I don't. Think, I think I don't think I watched it. No, no, was it, it was. Uh, no, it was actually there was that was one of the ones where they the show got rescued by a fan campaign after uh, cancellation, yeah. and then it limped on for another kind of half season before getting cancelled again. But uh, was it really mysterious and enigmatic? You didn't quite know what was going I on. I mean, there was yeah, yeah. I remember it now. Yeah. <laughs> there was there was a little bit of that. Too. Yeah, but is I enjoyed the, it. Um, is Skeet Ulrich's real name Skeet? I believe so. Stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Skeet, for Terry's closed-mindedness. <laughs> you, know, you know, but it's good because then whenever he does a film, the people working with him can say, "I'm on a Skeet shoot." Can, what can you what? imagine? Pushing a baby out of you, looking at it and going, "It looks like a Skeet." Okay, do you know what? Do you know what his real name is? It's not Skeet, is <laughs> it? Is, I mean. According to Wikipedia, his Which real name is Brian. <laughs> Ra- Bra- Brian, get this, Brian Ray Trout. <laughs> I think I mean, we've just answered your question, Terry. Ryan he was born Ray Brian Ray Trout. Ray Trout. Brian Trout. Where is he born? Like Norwich. <laughs> he was born yeah. in Lynchburg, Virginia. Yeah. He's got four fingers. Brian Trout. So you can understand why when he went into the Screen Actors Guild office, he went, yeah, he said, what's your name? He went, Skeet Ulrich. Skeet. I mean, it's mystifying. Yeah. Your name is Brian Skeet. Yeah. I can't, it's very Mr. confusing. Trout. Neither his mother or father seems to be called Trout, so I don't know why he was a Trout. <laughs> <laughs> but he so- do I, hang on. So they just gave him a it's random. Be, yeah. you, can you imagine? You give somebody, you choose somebody's surname and you go for trout. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. Yeah. His stepfather was called Ulrich. His, I mean, maybe this could be a whole fiction, couldn't it? His, his mum was. Anyway, just look at I up. mean, okay. We, Where did we, trout come from? I mean, rivers. Where does it. Where, we, we will find out yeah, by the next we'll podcast we are, we are, yeah. what the I origin... Know. We'll have Skeet Ulrich on the podcast and we'll do a kind of this Brian. is your life I mean, style. I don't think he's that busy. Yeah. That Skeet, tell us about Brian Trout. Yeah. Uh, 
tell us about John Wesley Ship. Have you heard this? What? John Wesley Ship. Do you know who <laughs> John Wesley Ship is? Because you're talking to me. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to you, Terry. You look like the kind of person, and I'm not even joking, who would absolutely have watched the flash on sky one in uh, the 90s yeah you got me <laughs> yeah okay so john wesley ship who famously famously i say famously <laughs> played the flash in the original flash show in the 90s will be playing the flash again for the cw's flash in the elseworlds crossover event <laughs> and you you look at me as if that's a ridiculous thing to tell people however this is a really big thing like he's the guy he is the flash in your world yeah yeah in the kind of really sort of forbidden yeah. planety anorak yeah. wearing you know basement dwelling D20 kind of world that I live in, yeah. that's that's news. That, Do you watch those thing. shows, though? The Flash the CW the... shows? No. No, no I don't. Okay. No, <laughs> no. But, you know, only because life is too short. Okay. Do you flinch when you uh, enter natural light? <laughs> I, I mean, I try not to, really, because, you know... <laughs> the darkness is your friend. It's, yeah, I, I like to dwell in my, my little mm. house and watch my television uh, wherever possible. So there, there you go. Review. Should we talk about what is out and beginning this week? Yes. Who Which wants to start? go? I'm going to start by saying that uh, I think we should start Sean Penn. Sean Penn. <laughs> I think the one that should go first, Boyd, <laughs> oh, really? is Sean Penn's. If only oh, so I okay. can look at you both and say who's on first. Well, Terry's doing. Terry's uh, going to introduce us I to am the here to talk about the first. Um, which starts next Thursday on Channel 4 at 9 o'clock. So uh, we reviewed this in the last issue of Pilot, and I think we gave it three stars. I did, yes. You gave it three stars. <laughs> I sa- I'm going to start this section by saying you were wrong, Boyd Hill. Oh. So I greatly enjoyed this. This is a space okay. exploration drama. Except with no exploration or space. Hold your horses, you've ruined my gag. Sorry. Um, oh, and typical. it stars Sean Penn and Natasha... Mc- I can never say her surname. McElhone. McElhoney. McElhoney? McElhone. McElhone. Um, uh, he plays um, an astronaut. Um, she plays an aerospace magnate, um, essentially CEO of a commercial launch provider. And it, it kind of jumps right in and, and it takes a little while to work out who everybody is. It's clear that Sean Penn is an outsider. He's some kind of maverick who is no longer officially involved with the space crew that you see before you about to launch to go to Mars. They're essentially looking for somewhere to colonise because Earth is so fucked. It's following the first human mission to Mars and it's essentially a human drama so anybody um hoping for a an amazing space drama is probably not going to get this this is about the sacrifice the struggle the human stories um of both the astronauts and their families and the ground staff telling those smaller but really real stories about what happens when people go to space when they risk everything in the interests of um the world and in the interests of science and in the interest of exploration so i'd read your review boyd and i'd a couple of people who'd seen the first episode and, and basically said, yeah, it's it's a very kind of almost domestic drama in lots of ways. It's small drama. It's um, not that much about space. I loved it. I mean, some there are some tropes. He is very much the, you know, the guy who they just want to get it out there that he's a really handy everyday guy. So within the first 10 minutes, he's fixing a sink and yeah. he's got a dog and he lives alone. and Running topless. Running to I enjoyed the running topless. I was like, you are not bad chick for a man of your age. It's an amazing um, And th- she plays, you know, as this CEO, she's clearly kind of putting profits before people and things like this. There is something, I'm not going to ruin it, and I thought long and hard about whether about um, where to talk about it but there is something that happens in the first episode that is is kind of sets the scene for the rest of the series and I don't want to ruin it everybody is, is that thing they don't go to space 
It is, but the nature in which they don't go to space, I don't, don't want to ruin, ruin it, that James. for people. I found that quite, uh, I found that quite a shocking moment when mm. I watched it myself. It's behind it's from the guy who, who created House of Cards, um, who's just a Mary Queen of Scots. So great credentials. I really, really enjoyed it. I did. I enjoyed the fact that it showed the human face of this. I think in a lot of um, films, especially that are about going to space and about that kind of heroism you're very much invested in the astronauts and their journey and kind of these this bigger picture stuff. I enjoyed the fact that it's focusing on the people left behind, the people who have to give everything to make this happen. I ended the first episode super excited. It felt like I'd been... I always think the first episode of a good TV show is like going on a great first date, right? You've got like... You're dead, you feel dead warm inside and you know you're in for like a, at least a couple of months of fun. And that's how I feel. I can't mm. wait to see the rest of them. I feel like it's been a little bit unfairly judged. I think if you're after these, this kind of big dramatic space kind of, you know, with incredible cinematography, then this is not what this is. But I think it's um, doing something much more interesting, actually. And Sean Penny's great. She is great. There's clearly some conflicts between the two of them. Quite clearly history between them. Um, I thought the first episode was excellent. What is your problem, Boyd? Uh, my problem, I, so I didn't hate it at all. Um, three stars is a recommendation, as we know. In Boydland, that's like a one star in <laughs> normal enough, land. That's what the PR press office of Channel 4 said. Which is so <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, you must have really hated it. I just, I just, um, I found it weird. I, I find the pacing of it so bizarre. So I, I, there is that moment mm. in episode, which is very exciting and, and genuine and a genuine surprise. You don't see it coming. No. And then I've seen, I saw, watched the first three or four episodes, and there and there are moments throughout the first three or four episodes. We oh, that's really exciting. And then it will there there'll be like twenty twenty five minutes of clunky backstory establishing of the characters, which is so cliched and routine. Like the whole thing about his druggy daughter mm. and you know they're mourning the loss of their his wife slash mm. the mother. I found all of that very tediously done, very drawn out. Could have been I, I felt it's one I just felt like it could have all been tighter. And some of it is amazingly tight. And you think, oh they've dealt with that brilliantly and that's really exciting. And then it'll go on and on and on about some boring backstory you just don't really care well, about. For me that they're showing the human consequence and the and the damage that is done which is sure. messy and, and you know and yeah. fractured and I could see and why that, they're doing it. I just and, felt the way they did it it was just the pacing of it really i but i thought that felt really real and it felt really to Mm. me i found that a much more interesting approach and i think that sense of there being consequences that heroism has consequences that the people who are left in the wake of these things uh, the way our lives intersect and where our lives intersect and kind of the consequence that our decisions have not just on the immediate people but on the people beyond that i i didn't mind that at all and i Mm. enjoyed and the pacing for me really worked in that sense well, all I'd say is, I mean, I watched the first three or four episodes and then, you know, ages and ages ago and I just haven't got back to it yet. So I feel like if I really, you know, I could only, I just didn't feel the need. I had to go back and, and follow the whole thing through and watch all, all mm. I think, eight of it. Eight. So, it is eight, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't hate it at all, but I just felt there were, it was weirdly done. There was weird, weird moments of long drawn out 
kind of nothingness and then a really, really... There's a very clever... The reason for the thing that we're not talking about happening is I really liked. Mm. Uh, yeah, there are really, really mm. clever, smart bits. Mm. I felt like the, the, the scene where Sean Penn suddenly kind of rouses everyone. There, yeah. it, there's just moments like that I found very hokey as well. So I, I just... I didn't quite go along with him and his character. I felt it was, it was, it was a little bit of a one-dimensional, you know, all-American hero type guy. And, and she was this kind of cold, heartless, corporate shill kind of thing. It just all felt a bit basic. Well, you, but I don't know, because I think you'd like the, even just some of the uh, scenes without any speech at all from her. I thought there's a scene where she takes her sunglasses off, where she goes just through the act of taking her sunglasses on and you seeing the whites of her eyes. She, you, she wasn't that cliche kind okay. of cold, heartless bitch. She actually, they were showing the kind of cracks and fractures. Mm. I think she's even, great. With, within her kind of as a human being. Mm. I think it sets up those tropes and then what it does is starts to prod them and dismantle oh, them. And so. and so so yeah, I really okay. I really loved it. So I feel like we got it wrong and we should have given it four stars. So Terry thinks it's, it's really good. Opinions. Boyd hates it with the fire of I a thousand like. burning suns <laughs> because he gave it three stars. Yeah. Um and I haven't seen it. So <laughs> excellent. It's um, fair to say we're not unusual in our in our in 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 the in the no. not liking it that much. No. People have been. I mean, some people no, hate and, it. No, and that's and but, but you know, I don't give a fuck what everyone else. Oh thinks. no, I know. And I'm just I, saying, but it's not like I stand alone. I no, stood no, alone in my three star verdict. And yeah. I and I um I absolutely was expecting to find it mediocre. Mm. Um, and I really loved it. I did read someone saying that rather than an exciting Mars drama, which is kind of what it was pitched as, it was sitting around boardroom tables, the series. But people, you know what, like, that's people clearly, I don't think anybody at every point said it was going to be an exciting space drama. I think that's, of course, that's what you think you're getting when it's about the first Going human to mission to Mars. Mm. But I really liked, I really liked the small scale human drama, like, you heartless bastard. Bastards. Right. <laughs> Terry says, get your ass to Mars. Boy says... Boy, it says Mars attacks. I don't yeah. know. I've got nothing else. There must be something. <laughs> no, Give me another Mars thing. I yeah. don't know. Do you know what, though? You've you've inspired me. I'm going to finish watching it. Who's got that kind of time? I've got, I can fill it in. Yeah, it's you fine. probably can. I've watched the first four. I need to watch the second four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the first is on Channel 4 Thursday, 1st of November at 9 o'clock. Also dropping this week is the sixth and final season of House of Cards, which lands on Netflix on Friday? Yes. Friday? It's always Friday, isn't it, with Netflix? Pretty much. Um, I've seen the first, only the first episode of this, because I didn't have time to watch the others. But I very, very, very much enjoyed it, um, especially the opening scene, which kind of starts with, um, with Claire Underwood... Uh, the glorious Robin Wright in the Oval Office just talking about or listening to a list of kind of the criticism and abuse and threats that she's been getting since she took office as president. And it kind of it really sort of lands. I mean, the misogyny is kind of rife all the way through this, the amount of aggravation and grief and just hatred she gets just for being a woman uh, comes across in this show. And I've, I think I've always preferred her not always actually I really enjoyed Frank Underwood in the early seasons but certainly the last two she has eclipsed him as the character not only that you you like the most but also is the most compelling when she's on screen and she really dominates in this episode and she's fantastic and seeing her address the camera and break the fourth wall in the way that Spacey used to but much better and acknowledging him while she does so I think is excellent. It's an interesting start. This one is. Um, it's got some some nice devices. Like there is a there's something wrong with the plumbing 
or so you're led to believe in the in the West Wing, or not the West Wing, in the residence. Strange noises in the residence. Yeah. yeah, and where you hear a constant sort of knock knock, which is of course the sound that Frank used to make with his ring. So that sound is kind of haunting her as she wanders through the residence. Uh, all we're told is that he died in his sleep next to her. That is very nicely brushed under the carpet. We don't go into that in too much detail, though I assume more of it will come out. And this is setting her up in conflict with an old school friend of hers, uh, play, played by Diane Lane, and her brother, played by Greg Kinnear, who seemed to be wielding a certain amount of influence over the political agenda. They certainly had some influence over Frank, and it's kind of whether or not she will continue to play ball with them, uh, or indeed go up against them. It's interesting, like, the way this kind of portrays politics, because people have often said, like, House of Cards has become more documentary-like as America has become a little bit more, you know, dystopian in that er arena. What I find is fascinating about this is instead of focusing on the hyper-partisan struggles you get in America, you know, this whole Republican-Democrat thing, because lest we forget, Frank was a Democrat, um, this always looks at external factors, external influences, and it tends to look at these kind of oligarch figures, these hyper-rich kind of cabals of influencers who kind of wield their influence over the White House. And this seems to, again, be kind of going down that road. So I'm interested to see how it plays out. But like I said, I think she was fantastic in it. It's interesting to see, like, Doug is is still around. He's in a, in a, a mental I institution. Think, uh, yeah. um, <laughs> for how long, we shall find out. I, I I I think the most interesting. I'm a huge fan of House of Cards, mm. even when it's had you know tediously repetitive seasons where it got really. I mean, bogged the down. one with the Russians was very. The bad. one with the Russians and the whole investigation by that journalist into oh, the God, travel yeah. arrangements. What on earth was just fizz, fizzled out, didn't it? Yeah. Like, did that ever get you know resolved? I mean, obviously it wasn't helped by the fact that they had to get rid of Frank. Yeah. Anyway. I really, I was really excited um, by this. I mean, this is the last ever season, so I shouldn't make that. So I'm really excited to see it. It's only eight episodes, I think. Mm. But the main, the thing that I thought was most interesting was the, Di the Diane Lane and Greg Kinnear characters, who, of course, have never been mentioned before. No. So they turn out to be literally the, the kingmakers yeah. and these massively rich um, people working behind the scenes to make sure that what they want happens in America. And apparently they're based on the Koch brothers. Koch brothers. Know, Koch, is yeah. that how you pronounce yeah. it? Thanks. And that, who are kind of, you know, these libertarian, multi-billionaire, dark, dark brothers yeah. who finance any right-wing yeah. group in America to get what they want. And, mm. apparently, and I was reading up on them, and apparently they even, going way back, they did actually, because this is mentioned in the episode, they wanted to get rid of the CIA and the FBI and all of that because they wanted it to be more, America to be a more anarchic world so yeah. they could run it, basically. Absolutely. So I find all of that absolutely fascinating. And I think the way it... I've loved the. It always kind of touches upon American politics and the, and the kind, and it has interesting ways of dipping into the headlines and reflecting mm. the headlines less explicitly than something like Homeland. But I think it does it very smartly, and I'm really excited about the season, having watched this first episode as well. Yeah. Can I make a confession? Yes. So um, I have tried to watch the first ever episode of House of Cards on six separate wow. occasions. Wow. And fallen asleep or turned it off every time. See, it's that's when it was really good as well. I can't. I haven't got further than the first twenty minutes. That's really? No, just what didn't like what him? Didn't just couldn't be asked. Wow, fair enough. I mean. Wow. When you eventually do get into it, you've got you've got the joy of you know but six how seasons. Many? No, no, you haven't though. Haven't you? you've got the joy of one season? And you've also, got the I... slight disappointment of the second one, and then the abject misery <laughs> of the next two. Um, I still think there's about you know I've just what I've just realised is how queasy is it going to be to go back and watch Kevin Spacey? Well, yeah. yeah, it's just it's just. 
Yeah, and yeah. it's totally so many parts of it are up my street. Um, but I yeah. six times, and I was like, you know what? Like even even by any standards, six times feels like that enough. That is interesting because, of course, David Fincher did not directed that. Did. So mm. That's you know mm. that was the big uh, well. Anyway, excitement. if you've if you've come this far with House of Cards, you mm. there is no excuse for not watching this final season. You should watch it. Uh, it it bodes well. And frankly, if you Frank literally Frank Underwoodly, <laughs> if you uh, if you did drop out a couple of seasons ago because you couldn't stand anymore, maybe come back for this one. Because it is a is a fresh start. Yeah, she is a f- an incredible. Beginning. Just you, yeah. know, you know, she absolutely. I agree with you. The, the, her monologues to camera are so much better than his monologues to camera. Yeah. She's great. And I do think having you know, obviously, I haven't seen it, but um, I did obviously read pilots cover feature on House of yes. Cards, and I think it's it's commendable the way they tackled the whole space incident, which could have just derailed the entire show. Mm-hmm. There were plenty of shows that that would have fallen at that point, and I think to kind of embrace that change. And then use it to bolster the narrative. And actually, you know, there are so many interesting things going on with modern day politics and and gender politics within that. Um, And you've got obviously a president in the real world who is an absolute vile misogynist. And and I think the way that they've responded to both what's happening in the real world and within within their own show, I think is is absolutely right. And I think, was it Robin Wright who said, you know, there's, there's a, there are hundreds and hundreds of people working on this show who deserve the chance to continue yeah. making brilliant television. And if you look at, I watched the titles, and if you look at, it's interesting, I, 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 she's, she seems to have made sure as, you know, one of the exec producers on the show that there's a lot of women working on mm. the show, both behind the scenes and scripting and directing mm. and all of that. One of her most interesting in this is where the other characters relate to her. Like, they talk to her in a way they would never have spoken yeah, to Frank yeah. because she's a of woman. Course. The dynamic yeah. of how everyone treats her, the way they're all a little bit more forward a little bit more aggressive a little bit more mansplaining oh the whole of the opening is all about how much, how she's getting all these death threats yeah. and people calling her a c-word and all of that absolutely she, that's the very first thing she's it's addressing is what would it actually be like if a woman yeah. was president mm. and was it they're saying she's 10 times yeah. more threats than her husband yeah, it's, ever it's, got it's, it's, and her husband being a massive hate figure yeah, yeah. so yeah it's 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 an interesting yeah. show well worth watching um who has seen not spider-man homecoming i have so this also so House of Cards series six arrives on Friday on the Netflix on the same day Homecoming all ten episodes arrives on Amazon Prime Video. Interestingly, this is a drama very much. This is an intense kind of high concept um, drama thriller series with Julia Roberts, created by Sam Esmail, who created Mr. Robot. He directed every episode. But each episode is only about 25 minutes, half an hour long, which is kind of a weird. So mm. uh, you're watching this this show and. Each episode ends after 25, 30 minutes. You're like, oh, that's quick. And then you move on to the next one. But I think it really helped. For me, it really helped with the pace of it and the storytelling aspect of it. Um, it's all it's adapted from a podcast, from a kind of drama podcast, a fictional podcast. And it's all about Julia Roberts is a counsellor working in this very strange, mysterious institute where soldiers are kind of being um, helped getting back into civil society. Mm. And her job is to um, deal with particularly one of these soldiers who we meet, who's played by Stephen James. And Bobby Cannavale runs the whole thing. And he seems to be mining their kind of their counselling sessions for his own gain for some, in some kind of weird corporate way and he has there's these brilliant scenes where he's talking on the phone long tracking shots and she's dealing with his kind of monstrous attempts to make money out of this whole operation at the same time there's a kind of other timeline set in the present day which is in a different aspect ratio in which um, she her, she is being investigated she's given up this whole job as a counsellor in this mysterious institute it seems to have been shut down and some dude from the FBI is investigating it as to what what happened what dodgy dealings happening and she kind of doesn't want to admit that she was even involved in the whole setup. Sissy Spacex in it as her mother. 
I absolutely loved it. It's the whole thing is directed like an extended five-hour Brian De Palma film <laughs> from the mid-80s, even using the music from Dress to Kill Amazing. and Carrie and stuff like that. That's Sissy Spacek is in it because clearly Sam S. Melodor is obsessed with Brian De Palma. The whole tone is kind of weird and off offbeat, and I love the whole mystery of it, and I can't wait to finish it. I really liked it, but I don't think you did, did you, Terry White? I just quite <laughs> bored. So I found, I've watched the first episode and I just found it incredibly slow. The pacing of the first episode definitely didn't work for me. Um, and that coupled with, you know, it's quite oblique in places, which I know is intentional. You're not intended to fully know what's going on. There are a couple of different timelines happening concurrently. Oh, oh, no, I was just quite, but I'm going to give it another go. Give it another go. I'm going to give it another go when I can dedicate a, a chunk uh, 20 to 20 minutes. To do four <laughs> in one go, I think, yeah. is, is what I'm going to do. Because yeah, I just did it. the first episode in isolation and I was, yeah, I was bored. Okay. It is, of course, Julia Roberts on television, so it's think, possibly worth watching just for I that. I know, and she, you know, you can't, you can't doubt the, the talent and I think she's extraordinary, um, but yeah. Give it another go. Okay. It's great. I'm going to not do one night. I'm not going to spend six hours on Law and Order SVU yeah, 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 yeah. and I'm going to give Homecoming yeah. a second. Yeah. Another split Definitely. verdict. Yeah. Interesting week. All right. Last of all, my, my curveball, season six of Ray Donovan, which I want to throw in here. If for no other reason than no one knows what Ray Donovan is, no one watches it. And yet it's great. Or it was great and looks to be getting great again. This is a Liev Schreiber show that airs on Sky Atlantic and it airs on Halloween. Because yes. I think 9 o'clock on Halloween. Sky Atlantic, 9 o'clock. Indeed. Yeah. And this stars Leah Schreiber as what he used to be a Hollywood fixer. He was the guy who the movie studios would call in to fix their problems. So if there's bodies, drugs, you know, problems, oh. he would solve their problems. He sort of skates the line between criminality and, well, no, that's just criminality. Um, but it's great. And it's about him. It's his father, his relationship with his father, played by John Voigt, who's just got out of prison. And that's a very, very fractious relationship. His relationship with his brothers, with his wife, with his children. So it was very much a family drama, sort of interspersed with all these other things he got into. As the shows got on, a lot of that seems to have been marginalised slightly. So it came to a head last season, which was the most depressing season of the show yet, uh, where his wife gets cancer and the whole show is essentially her dying of cancer, partly in flashback. Um, and I think... At that point, they made a decision that this show needed to reinvent itself. So instead of being where it was, so very much an LA-centric show, it has now moved to New York. At the end of the last season, he threw himself off a building. Uh, so he actually lands in the... Uh, in, he's off the Brooklyn Bridge. So he lands in the river. He gets fished out by uh, Dominic Lombardozzi, who you may remember as Herc from The Wire. And now he sort of decided he's going to stay. He's going to stay in New York. So the whole show has essentially relocated to there. I mean, partly because... Um, so his family kids. relocated to there as well. So is Eddie Marzan like... Well, this, and, and this, is, this is the only part of the episode that kind of blew my mind. A lot of the other characters seem to have, for no obvious reason, <laughs> done exactly that. Wow. And relocated to New York without really explaining why. <laughs> I love that. I love it when a series just relocates yeah. everyone So Eddie somehow. Marzan, yeah. who ran Donovan's Fight Club in LA, yeah. now is in a boxing gym in New Fair York. For, uh, no reason why. Susan Sarandon, who was a studio head uh, and a sort of a big wig in LA, is now yeah. based in New York. Wow. So she's back That's and ridiculous. she's in New York. She was so LA. Yeah. Uh, um, so I do watch the show. Well, there you go. Yeah. I think Bunchy is still uh, is still in LA, as is his okay. other brother. So okay. some of them, are, and Lena's kind of 
flitting between the two. So there's, you know, there's a little bit of, of, of kind of coast-to-coast stuff. Mm. But everyone who's important seems to have found their way to New York. That's and brilliant. it's interesting uh, sort of seeing... Uh, he's still a miserable fucker. You know, he's a very stroppy man. But he's a really interesting character. And he doesn't behave in the way you often think he would. So mm. he's, you know, he's a, he's a huge guy and he's a fixer who's often fixed things with violence. And yet sometimes, in a situation where you expect him to go in and crack some heads... He doesn't. He does the opposite. So he does. He does subvert expectations quite a lot. I do. I do like this show a lot. And while I think the last season was not a particularly strong one, this one is starting well. So I do encourage people to uh, to maybe take a look at this. And if you've never watched Ray Donovan, if you've never heard of Ray Donovan, do go back and watch it from the beginning. It is very good. I think it suffers from the curse that all name shows suffer from. Do you know I mean like films like Michael Clayton? You oh, know? Michael and, and is fantastic. Jack yes, of course oh, it is. Right. But if you someone would say, "Do you want to see Michael Clayton?" Oh, you'd be see, like, "What yeah. the fuck is that?" Yeah, because it's yeah. just a bloke's name. Yeah. Uh, and I think you do a property a disservice when you call it that. Wasn't there a it's... show called The Fixer, which is essentially what he is? Yes, yeah. he is that. There was, yeah. yes, indeed. Yeah. 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 So they couldn't call it. That. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a good show. A good mm. show with a silly name. Mm. Watch it. Okay. And that's it. I think for the new shows. Do head over to iTunes if you enjoyed this and give us a five-star rating. Or, like the lovely Nicole Tenbush, send us a massive box of cakes by way of appreciation. Boy, you won't have seen this. I haven't these. seen this. We got an I enormous... They're in the fridge. We've still got them. Oh, okay. An enormous stack of muffins and cakes Amazing. from the Hummingbird Bakery, which I must confess, I did let other people eat first and wait to see if they keeled over. They didn't, so they weren't poisoned. <laughs> I wish God, I was the idea that we would rouse yeah. someone to that much anger. They would try and poison us. I wish I was joking about that, but that is actually true. Uh, but no, they were lovely. They were red velvet, vanilla, and all sorts of mm. stuff. You can have some after this. So yes, please send us cakes or or give us a five star rating on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at Pilot TV Mag. Our individual Twitters are linked to in the bio. So please follow us as well. And of course, you can join us next Monday for yet more of this Gogglebox goodness. Whereupon, with any luck. With any luck, we'll be able to reveal the nature of the unnamed sex act coming up in Sally Forever that has never oh, yeah. before yeah. appeared on television. The mind boggles. Pilot out. Bye. Bye. Bye.